Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Monday edition of Game Misconduct. I'm Don LaGreca. We had a long hiatus throughout the holiday season, but now we're back for the 2022 portion of the year. It's kind of hard to believe that we're 22 years into the new millennium. And why? Uh, what better way to start than having the great EJ Raddick from the NHL Network, NHL Now from 4 to 6 Eastern on uh, the NHL Network, a good friend and hopefully uh, was able to have a great holiday. EJ, how are you, buddy? Good to talk to you again. I'm good, Don. Thanks so much for having me, and uh, Happy New Year to you. And you're right, it's kind of crazy to think. I mean, it just seemed just like yesterday we were dealing with Y2K. <laughs> like, was everything going to shut off, and where the everybody's going to lose all their money, and all kinds of chaos, and really nothing happened, and here we are 22 years later. Obviously, there's been a... God, the world has changed so dramatically in 22 yeah. years, but... Uh, we're on to another year, so we'll see how they, how we make out. Hopefully we can navigate through all the the chaos that we've been dealing with so far uh, during this season. Yeah, I don't even know where to begin, but I guess that is the best place to begin because I guess everybody's been affected in a different way, kind of like in life. Like the NHL and sports is kind of microcosm of what we're doing on a day-to-day basis. Some people more affected than others. Some teams have been able to navigate through. Uh, the Rangers have been a team that has not really been overly affected. They've had four games postponed. They're going through a little bit of a issue now with COVID, but not nearly as devastating as all the cancellations with the Canadian teams, the Islanders sitting for almost you know, three weeks without playing a game. and uh, So everybody's had to deal with it a little bit differently. But I, I have to think, EJ, that the, the Canadian government has at least let the NHL know that things are going to get better soon, right? I mean, you can't pile up all of these postponements and then eventually play them in empty buildings anyway. So I'm hoping they have a little insider information that February is going to be better. Otherwise, they're going to have to make up all of these postponements and maybe still have to play them in empty buildings. What are you hearing up there in Canada? Well, I think it's not necessarily the Canadian government given, like, the wink of an eye to the league. I, I just think the, the data that uh, that has been collected in terms of this variant in other parts of the world indicate that it kind of kind of comes and goes. And uh, it buzzes, and, it's, and it, it, we get a lot of cases, and then it kind of fizzles, for the lack of a better word. So I think what the league is looking at, and probably governments as well, but in all kinds of municipalities, is the, the data from other places has indicated that this variant has kind of, it's come in, it's kind of created a big storm of cases, and then it kind of uh, fizzles out, and the numbers go dramatically down. So I think that's what the league is banking on, that's what those Canadian teams are banking on, that that uh, in another couple of weeks, things will be able to open up again. More, uh, more readily for them in Canada, and uh, they'll be able to put people back in the buildings because 
at the end of the day, we know that the league is taking a pretty good, like all the leagues and like all businesses, have taken a pretty good financial hit. Most businesses, some have actually thrived, but that's you know a different story. But certainly, businesses where you're depending upon people to come and fill up stadiums, uh, it's been challenging. And uh, I think those Canadian teams would like, you know, they remember now they they played last year without fans. Uh, in some, in a lot of places in North America, in the United States, they were able to have fans. I mean, and, and have full buildings. So, you know, they're they're hoping that they can get those games in and have fans in the building as we move forward to late January into February. That Olympic window that's now going to be used to uh, for these postponements. So we'll have to see. But I think it's kind of a, a hope kind of thing more than anything else, based on the numbers they've seen in other places. Yeah, I, I, you're probably right, and that, that does seem to be the indication that by the time we get to February, and listen, as crazy and hectic as it's going to be, we were going to have no hockey for three weeks if the Olympics were to be played, at least NHL-wise, which we'll get some semblance of it. I think there'll be a lot of chaos, and there'll be questions about building availability. We might see some afternoon games, some crazy schedules, but I do think we'll play a full 82, and uh, as, as, as scarred up as it'll be, it'll still be much better than what we've seen over the last couple of years. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, let's dive in uh, to the hockey portion of this, and we haven't t- spoken in a long time, but I take a look at this Avalanche team, EJ, and I'm just I'm impressed. I, I got to see them uh, play the Rangers twice, and it was men against boys, and that's not an insult against the Rangers. I just think the Avalanche are that good. The question is, do they have the goaltending to win a cup? Because that, to me, looks like their really only weakness. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a lot of teams that have that high-end skill um, and have that kind of high-end team, you know, very rarely do they also have the elite goaltender, right? I mean, and that's been the downfall of some teams like that over the years. Um, I think they are better with Kemper than they were with Grubauer. Now, somebody will, somebody will say, hey, look at the numbers. Grubauer was terrific last year for them. But in the moments that counted, I didn't think Grubauer was very good at all. And he hasn't shown in his career uh, the ability to rise up in those moments. So they go to Kemper, who is really, uh, to me, Donnie, was a, is kind of the prototypical bad team goalie, which is like a guy in Arizona. He faced a lot of shots. And, in fact, you know, the, 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 the Avalanche had a good look at what Kemper can do in games where he gets a lot of shots. Uh, he stole a game in a playoff series against them and made it hard for them for a couple of games before kind of succumbing to the Avs a couple of years ago. So I think he's got the ability to be the guy for him. The question will be now, can he be good enough in games where he is not facing, you know, 50 shots and where he's going to have to make those timely saves at the right moment keep his team, you know, in the game and to avoid kind of situations where you have a lot of shots and you lose, you know, you have a lot of a territorial advantage and you lose. So um, that's a very, it's a unique skill. 
to, to be able to do that because mentally you've got to be dialed in the whole time. You may not face, you know, more than four or five really good chances in a game, but you got to make those saves or make as many of them as you can. So that's going to be the, the challenge, I think, for, for Darcy Kemper. I'll be curious to see if they go out and try to get someone else to add to the mix before the uh, before the deadline. But, uh, you know, it's a good team, and if they can stay healthy and they've added in some younger players in their bottom six that are kind of finding their way now, but the key will be staying healthy. I mean, they've had some guys in and out of the lineup this year. I mean, when Kale McCarr is in the lineup, I mean, they're almost unbeatable. Yeah. They have a full lineup, so that's going to be the key. But you're right, the goaltender, you know, until a guy does it, right, Donnie? Like, until somebody wins the Cup, we always question them, you know, and... Like, Jordan Bennington has won the Stanley Cup. So, Jordan Bennington gets more leeway with everybody because he's done it. Um, other guys haven't done it, but they've been really good goalies. And you wonder, you know, uh, like Jack Campbell's going through a little of that in Toronto. He's been very good for them end of last year, this year. But people think about Toronto's chances, and they're like, well, can Jack Campbell do it? We don't know. And we'll have to find out. And that'll be the question for Darcy Kemper as well. And in the interim, we'll see if Joe Sackett and company out there feel like uh, – there's enough uncertainty in their minds that they have to add somebody else in the mix, but that's challenging because there's not a ton of guys out there, and then you got to worry about what the cap implications are. So we shall see. Now, we, we when early in the season, you know, talking to you, we were so impressed with the Pacific, right? Like the the start from Anaheim, how good Calgary and Edmonton were to start the season. Now you look at that Central, Nashville, four straight wins, eight one and one in their last ten. St. Louis, an amazing win uh, last night. They've won seven of their last ten. Uh, going with Colorado, all of a sudden that Central Division just looks like an absolute beast. Yeah, and you didn't really you didn't mention Minnesota, who was really top team for the first couple of months of the year, and they've had some injury issues, but they're still a pretty good team. And you know, I know Dallas is played fewer games, and they had a tough, tough loss yesterday on a, some kind of a one particularly questionable call that hurt them at the end, but you know, that's still a good team, and uh, you know, this is, this is a tough, tough uh, division, and you're right, the Pacific has kind of come back to earth a little bit, Edmonton has really fallen off you know, uh, fall off dramatically, and they've got goaltending issues, Calgary ran the gauntlet here in the Florida, Tampa, Carolina, and came up over three, so that's that's a tough one to run anyway. Uh, you know, Anaheim has had some injury issues, some COVID issues, a little up and down, got a shootout win against the Red Wings last night, so that was good for them. But, uh, yeah, it's starting to even out a little bit, and that's, the, I guess, the beauty of the 82-game schedule, right, Don, is that over time, it usually kind of uh, falls into what we think, and that's why it's hard for teams you know, to to really over overachieve that much because it's just a tough it's a tough league, it's a tough schedule, and especially this year with all the other obstacles in your path as you navigate things. So it's going to be tight. It's hard to make the playoffs in this league now. And you know, you and I are old, old, old enough to remember the old song and dance about the NHL, sixteen out of twenty-one. Everybody's easy. Everybody makes the playoffs. But that is a that is long ago and far away because it's hard to make the playoffs in this league now. Yeah, and then you take a look at the uh, you take a look at the Eastern Conference in Pittsburgh uh, outside of their loss on Saturday, which was a tough one. You know they've won nine of their last ten games, and they're they're only the wild card. 
you know, and COVID's yeah. obviously messed a lot of things up. Carolina's only played 33 games. You know, the Islanders have only played 28 games. But you look at good teams like Pittsburgh and Boston, you know, uh, that, that are sitting there having to settle for a wild card. And, you know, you slip up either way. Stay hot and you can be in the top three. Slip up a little bit and you might be, you know, going to the final week of the season just trying to make the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I think the Pittsburgh thing is a great, it's a great point you, you bring up. I mean, they won 10 straight games, and they were not in the top three in their division. I mean, that's 20 points, 10 straight games. And they had been playing well. They've been the best team in the league since November the 18th. I think they only had two regulation losses in that span, and yet they're in fourth place. So it just goes to show you that, you know, how good Carolina's been. The Rangers have been good. Washington's been getting points. I mean, it, it's hard. Uh, like I said, I mean, only half the teams now, there are 32 teams, 16 make the playoffs. And with parity as it is, you know, there are teams that, you know, there are four, there are three or four or five teams that are going to miss the playoffs that if you would put them in the playoffs, could have beat somebody and maybe made a little run. That's how tight it is in this league right now. So, it's going to be a scramble down the, you know, down the stretch, and it's going to present interesting problems for general managers as we get into the March. Into March, I think March 21st is the trade deadline. You know, what are they going to do? I mean, John Klingberg just kind of uh, was reported that he wants, uh, would like to get a trade out of Dallas. But you know, what are the Stars going to do? They're not going to trade him while they're in the mix. So, you know, there's a lot of decisions that are going to have to be made by teams all around this league. Yeah, it's just been a lot of fun to watch. And, you know, I kind of got jumped by some Ranger fans. Michael and I did a segment on the K show of who might be next in New York to win a championship. And, you know, the easy answer is the Nets because they're built to win a championship right away. And then he asked me about the Rangers, and I just said, I don't think they're ready. And a lot of Ranger fans jumped me like, you're the announcer of the team. How can you say they're not ready? Look what, you know, they just came off a sweep of a home and home against Tampa and all that. I get it, but I look at this team and I'm impressed with what they're doing. And when they're all healthy, they can beat anybody in this league. But I, I look at the way they played against Vegas and Calgary and Colorado. There's a certain team I don't think they're ready to beat just yet. And they're so young and so inexperienced in the postseason. I mean, when Kreider is your veteran player, it just shows you. I mean, the guy's been in the league just 10 years that how young and inexperienced they are. I mean, is that fair to say this is a good team, this is a playoff team, but when we start talking about Cup, there's certain levels and certain tests that I think they still haven't really faced yet. Is that fair? I think it's really fair, and I would say this. I mean, this year is one of those years because it's been a strange year to begin with, and they've navigated things, as you point out. They've had a lot of good fortune with the, the way things have played out for them as opposed to other teams this year. And they've got a goaltender in Shesterkin who is as good as anyone, really. Um, the Rangers are, are going to be an interesting team to watch. If you tell me they were to go on a long run and get to the cup final, would I be shocked? No, I wouldn't be shocked. They have a really good team, and they have a really good goalie. But I think things are going to have to go their way, and things don't always go your way in the playoffs. Guys get hurt. You end up in matchups that are tough for you. You get adversity in the in a playoff series. How do you deal with that? I've seen teams, and I'm sure you have too, that like they come together, they're young teams, and in that first year, everything falls their way, and they get all the way to the end. But maybe they don't win. But they make a deep run. So I, I wouldn't be shocked to see that happen. 
but I, I tend to think that I look at the history of the game and how teams, how they're, how, I think there's a, there's a lot of tests ahead for the Rangers. So yeah. I, I won't be surprised if they make a push this year because I've seen this movie before too, where the new kid in town comes around and they got the hot goalie and they make a push. But unless you win, it doesn't mean you're going to win the following year. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I just... Five. And you know what? They get all the way to the... To the, to the semifinals, Game 7 before coming to the Philadelphia Flyers. They had all those comebacks. And it was a really, you know, a team with young players that looked like they were going to be on the move. Well, they didn't win the Cup until 1980, and they had some significant setbacks and got knocked off by some really good teams along the way, and they really needed to evolve over that course of time. And so when I look at this Ranger team, I see a really talented young team with a yeah. chance to be really good and compete for a cup. And maybe they'll make a push this year and surprise some people and get deep into the playoffs. But I just think there are so many tests that every year is different. But the good news is, for the Ranger fan, that they got a lot of good players there and they're yeah. going to be in the mix. And if Chris Curry and Gerard Gallant continue to run that thing appropriately, they'll figure out, they'll navigate that path and at some point... You know, with the, with the group they have, I think they they certainly have a chance to win the Stanley Cup within the next several years. Yeah, that's the thing. It's not about this year. It's a, it's learning. And and this is going to be a very interesting second half for them. They've yet to play Carolina, who I think is the best team in this division. They've only played Washington once, and that was a 5-1 loss on opening day. So there'll be tests along the way, but uh, so far they've passed them all. Great road team. All the aspects that you want to see from really good team. Fox has just been absolutely superb. Kreider's having a breakout year. Panarin should be back tonight against the Kings. That's the hope, at least off a of COVID protocol. So We'll see from there. Now, stay in the division for a sec. You mentioned the Islanders in, in your analogy from 40 years ago. Could you spin this as a positive? They were not playing well, even without the COVID situation, really struggling to score goals. They're going to have a lot of games here in the second half of the season once they kind of get going again. And I think they could be better than they were at the start of the season. I know it's a lot of games they're going to have to play in a very short window, but... Could this have maybe been, a, even though it doesn't look like one, could have actually been a break for the Islanders not playing this long? Well, maybe. I mean, uh, you know, it gave, it gave some time to reset. I mean, think about, you know, being, a, being an Islander this year. I mean, what a crazy, crazy year this has been. I mean, last year you come within a goal or two of going to the cup final. You come back this season, you're on a 13-game road trip to start the year, you finally get off the trip, you have all these COVID issues, you're playing, you're opening a new arena, and yet you have like a shadow of the team that you're supposed to have with all kinds of guys out, all kinds of guys in the lineup that may never play in the NHL again. You were that deep into your roster of players and into your organization. And then you go through this circumstance where now you have a bunch of time off again. So... It's been a crazy, crazy year for the Islanders. And uh, so I don't think it hurts them based on, you know, where they're at. And maybe they'll be able to make a real push and have, you know, if they can, if they can find their game. And, you know, when you have a lot of games uh, in a short period of time, if you're playing well, if you can rattle off a lot of wins, maybe you can get back in. And I don't think it's out of the question. But the problem is this, Don, at the end of the day, break or no break, they still have the same problems. They still have 
they're really short when you think of their left side defense. I mean, Chara and Green are two older players in a league where you need speed. This is an older team. And the fact that, uh, you know, two years ago they had Kays and Letty, last year they had Letty, those guys have not been replaced. And when you end up playing in your end more than you want to, the puck usually ends up in your net more than you'd like it to be. So, to me, the challengers are still the same, and unless they can make a, a change to that roster soon and add uh, a young defenseman or uh, uh, just a defenseman that's in the that can move the puck better on the left side, I mean, I think uh, that's a problem. So, you know, they, Barry Trotz and that group, it's a, it's a veteran group, and they've, they've had success. But, again, it's a little different this year because they're just not as deep and not as yeah. quick on the back end, and I think that is part of, that's the biggest part of the problem. Want to close it out with some tweets? Let's go. All right, Sir so Harvey Cruz says, what surprise teams or disappointments have caught your eye so far? Well, I mean, the Rangers have been way better than we could have even imagined, right? So that's a, that's a positive surprise. The Islanders have been a negative, right? Uh, you know, so that's for sure. The Ducks, I think, have been a real surprise. I got to give them a lot of credit. I mean, Troy Terry scored his 22nd goal yesterday. He's among the league leaders in goals. I don't think anybody was, was uh, flying that flag at the start of the season, nor were they ready to say that the Ducks were ready to make a push uh, to be a playoff team, although they had some good young players. And those guys are playing well. I mean, Zegras has become a real player in the league. It's fun to watch. and It's good to see a New York kid, Sonny Milano, starting to find a little place for himself in this league and a skilled guy, so I hope that can continue for him in Anaheim. And uh, You know, Drysdale is a, a terrific young defenseman. I mean, he's still a kid, and Cam Fowler's a veteran guy back there. is a good player. I mean, and, you know, Johnny Gibson. So I give the Anaheim Ducks a lot of credit. I mean, that, that's been impressive to me. What John Hines is doing with the Nashville Predators, now he's got a hell of a goalie in UC Soros who's been, who's kind of fighting the odds, right? He's, uh, you know, he's a very average-sized guy. He's not uh, this big six-foot-six monster in net, which everybody has these bigger, taller goalies now, but yet UC Soros has been maybe the best goalie in hockey uh, when you think about over the last you know, several months of the end of last season and the start of this year, he's just been lights out good for them. And John Hines has the has brought in they brought in some new players who are effective guys for him, and he's had uh, some some veterans like Duchesne and Johansson who have bought into what they're trying to do and have been more competitive for him night after night. So that's another surprise right now to see them at the top of the central. And as far as disappointments are concerned, I mean, uh, I, I think we all thought Montreal was going to take a step back, that they were not the second-best team in the NHL last year. And COVID's been a major problem for them. But for them to be the worst team in the league, a little shocked. And I, and I thought I, I'd see more from Ottawa this year. And again, they've been affected by COVID, only 29 games played. But far more, I think, um, surprises than disappointments in the league. Yeah, and like, you know, like, like Vancouver was a real disappointment. But now, since they made the coaching change and uh, Bruce Budo has arrived, I mean, I guess I think they're eight zero and one or seven zero and one, and that's man. Yeah. They haven't played in a while, and and now they get back. I mean, you know, I get to, I got to know Bruce when he was working with us at the NHL Network. He's just a terrific guy, and uh, so I've talked to him on a couple of occasions since he took over in Vancouver, and you know, he's had his eye on this part of the schedule coming up, and. They haven't played in a while, and now they're going to go on this road trip, and it's that gauntlet of teams. It's Florida, it's Tampa, it's 
It's uh, Carolina. It's Washington. I think they have Nashville in there. I mean, they have a heck of a trip coming up that really will probably make or break things for them. I mean, if they can get through that trip and get half the point, you know, then they at least are still standing, so to speak. But uh, we just saw Calgary go through Florida, Tampa, and Carolina and get nothing. So we'll see what happens in Vancouver. But people are a disappointment, and now they've been a surprise. So we'll see what happens next. Uh, Frank asks, hey, guys, Lafreniere has looked improved the past few weeks, but only way to keep him in the top six is to move him to right wing. Do you think the Rangers give that a try midseason, or, or do they trade for a top six right winger? That's an interesting question. I mean, Lafreniere is so young, and it's it's funny, right? He got pushed into a position, uh, you know, due to uh, the injuries and the COVID issues, and he played really well because that's what he is, right? He's a top six type player, and he's going to thrive in those situations, and he's going to get better. I mean, he's a he's a really high end talent. Uh, I'm not, you know, I think uh, that's something that I'm sure the coaching staff will look at, but guys sometimes are just. You know, guys are meant to play certain positions. They grow up, they play them, and it's easy for us to say, well, you can move them to one side or the other. Some guys have that versatility in their game, and other guys really don't. And a lot of guys really don't, to be honest with you. So um, I guess they'll look at that. Um, I guess they can look and see what's on the market. They're having a great year. They have a chance to, uh, to make a push like we talked about. So I'm sure Chris Drury will look at all of his options. But I think they want to be careful with – Lafreniere, continue him developing on the right path and, you know, try to keep his own expectations at the right Mm -hmm. level, too, because it's such a confidence game, Don. And right now, I'm sure his confidence is is higher. He's playing well. He's feeling good. And I think that's what the Rangers want to manage is to make sure that he continues to develop and get better. And they want to put him in a position to be successful as best they can within their framework of the group they have. Uh, Tim McHale says, how do you feel about cap team-friendly deals like McKinnon took in Colorado? I feel like that has allowed them to add so many pieces and keep prospects as well. These eight-year deals can really kill teams sometimes. I think of Dallas, Edmonton, Chicago, etc. Yeah, you know, you got to remember, though, when McKinnon signed that deal, I think he was coming off a down year. He wasn't the Nate McKinnon that we know now. He was coming off a little bit of a down year. I think the team had really struggled that year. And thus, that's the deal he took and the deal he made and the deal that was there at the time. Subsequently, he's become arguably one of maybe the second best player in the league. I mean, if there was times when he challenged to be the best player. I mean, he's such a dynamic force out there that obviously that contract is obsolete to where he is now and where he will be when that contract ends in two years. I mean, and that's why for the Colorado Avalanche, the, the window to win is, is now and next year because once the McKinnon deal ends, that friendly, team-friendly deal will be long gone and he'll be looking at getting $11, $12 million, most likely, depending upon where we are financially in the league and where the cap situation is, but he'll be among the very highest paid players in the league, and that might mean he has to leave Colorado. Maybe he becomes an unrestricted free agent. Who knows? But uh, I think when you look at that look at that deal, you got to look at it in terms of when it was signed. And I don't think he he did it with the idea of hey, I want to help the team out so we can get other players. I think he did it because. He saw that that you know him and his, his representatives looked at it and they, that was the deal for him at that time based on where he was in his career and where the team was. 
Yeah, it's definitely something uh, to think about. You'd love to be able to get those cap-friendly deals, but somebody's going to have to make the sacrifice, right? And uh, so I, I, you're right. I don't think it's by design. Sometimes luck has to play a part. Sometimes it's just good fortune. I mean, John Klingberg has made news. I mentioned he's looking for a, you know, talking about requesting a trade and, uh, you know, for the Dallas Stars. And you, know, you go back with his situation, he's going to 29, going to be 30. His contract is expiring. He he signed a, I believe it was a six or seven year deal after his first season in the league that took him to this point. And he wanted the security of that deal, and it was a good deal for the team too. I believe it's somewhere around five million. It might be less than that, four seven five, something like that. But it was a, it was a good deal really for everybody because he he got uh, the certainty of making money. Remember, he was a fifth round pick, and you know it had a good year, and they liked him a lot, and they were convinced he was going to be a player for them, and they were right about that. But at the end of the day, he could have signed a three year deal at that time, which would have taken him probably to about 27 or 26, right on the edge of free agency, and then cashed out with a bigger deal. But he wanted the security, and that's the way he went, and now he's in a situation in his current, currently where, you know, the Dallas Stars aren't comfortable giving him seven or eight years at seven or eight million dollars per season, which what he might command on the open market. So especially at that age, it puts him in a much different circumstance. So uh, I think what's going to happen is that if the stars fall out of it dramatically, they'll move him. And if they don't, he'll stay there and finish the year. But I don't think there's a circumstance at this point where he'll stay and resign on a, unless he does a some kind of team-friendly deal, which I don't suspect he'll do. So um, it's always about when guys sign, decisions they make. And in that case, Klingberg chose to do a longer deal that took him to this stage of his career where it's a little trickier maybe to get the term and money you want at this stage than it is at 25 or 26. EJ, man, always a pleasure. We'll be watching on the NHL Network, and hopefully we'll be able to talk to you next Monday. You've got it, my friend. Happy New Year to you, all the listeners, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. That's great to have you back, buddy. All right, thank you, Doug. Take care. I wanted to mention, um, and thanks again to EJ for giving us the time that he does so generously every week. Uh, a couple of things I wanted to just get out there before we're done. Of course, I'm sure a lot of the hockey community, if not all of the hockey community, knows what happened to Teddy Ballkind back on Thursday, a 15-year-old high school player uh, dying uh, from an accident on the ice. And... Um, Unfortunately, he succumbed to his injuries later that day. No need to get into um, the, the the specifics. I'm sure everybody knows what had happened, um, the incident that had taken place on the ice, and what a tremendous job by just the hockey community in general. This happened in Greenwich, Connecticut on a Thursday, and by Friday, the National Hockey League was having moment of silences around the league, people leaving their sticks out front of their houses, um, go, go fund me pages all over as well to help and support the family. I know Dave Maloney had a lot to say about it on Saturday when I called uh, the game with him against the Ducks because David coached in Brunswick. He had uh, known the coach. I know um, it really struck the Rangers community tremendously because they don't practice that far from there. Of course, um, 
Chris Drury, general manager of the Rangers, is from uh, Connecticut, so it struck him hard. He knew the coaches. Martin St. Louis had also been a part of that community, um, spending a lot of time when he was with the Rangers and beyond. So this affected a lot of people. But what a great job by just the sport of hockey to rally around what had happened here. And that's what makes just so proud to be a hockey fan that when something happens in this community, it affects everyone from even thousands of miles away. You've seen well wishes and support all over the globe uh, for this thing that had taken place. So tragic, so sad, and the circumstances just not uh, the way that you'd want them to be. But uh, the one thing that you take from it is just how close the hockey community really is when something like this happens, and it affects everybody. We saw it a few years ago when that the Humboldt tragedy with the junior team in Saskatchewan and how we rallied around that back here, you know, for the East Coast for something that was thousands of miles away and then having reciprocated for something that happened uh, so close to home for us here on the East Coast in the tri-state area and to see how they rallied uh, just so far away. So just just a constant reminder of how great this sport is, how close-knit the community uh, of, the, of the hockey is, and just a tremendous uh, tragedy. So um, our heart goes out to the families, uh, the family of Balkan and, every, and everybody um, involved in the incident as well. So I'm sure being on the ice and, and certain the person that made contact with Teddy um, certainly um, will never forget that day. So our, th- our thoughts and prayers go out to a lot of people that were affected by the death uh, in that community. Uh, back to the candy store, as Michael K. likes to say. Uh, only a few games tonight because there have been three postponements. The game between the Devils and the Lightning postponed because the Devils have had to add two more players to their COVID protocol. And, and this is kind of scary just because the Islanders' next game is coming up on Thursday against the Devils. So the Islanders have been sitting there waiting forever to play, looking forward to finally getting a chance to play Thursday. And we'll see if the Devils' situation gets better so that the Islanders can get back on the ice and play the Devils, and uh, we'll see with the uh, extra days we have until Thursday whether some more players will come off the protocol so that they can play. So that game, Tampa, New Jersey postponed. Same with Montreal and Columbus. Blue Jackets coming off an impressive 4-3 victory over the said Devils back on Saturday. And, of course, Winnipeg and Minnesota postponed because of the uh, the uh, Canadian situation with the attendance and hopefully We'll see more games coming up in February. The games that will be played tonight uh, at 7 o'clock, the Bruins will be at the Capitals. That's a good game. Uh, Capitals in second place in the division. Boston's got that second wild card, so that's an interesting game. At 9 o'clock tonight, the Kraken will be in Colorado to take on the Avalanche. The Avalanche are becoming must-see television right now with the play of Kale McCarr. He's had a couple of goals the last two games that have just been eye-popping. When you're putting up numbers that haven't been put up since the likes of Bobby Orr and Phil Coffey, uh, or Paul Coffey, excuse me, you really realize just how good this kid is and should be fun to watch him play and then at 10 30 tonight the rangers and the kings game three of the rangers five game road trip in which they earned a a two-point victory against anaheim on saturday lost to vegas on thursday Uh, right now from what we understand artemi panarin is eligible to come off the covid list whether he'll play or not is another decision that'll have to be made by the coaching staff, but it looks like he'll be eligible to play. We'll find out whether Igor Shosturkin will play tonight or in San Jose on Thursday. Uh, Ryan Reeves was placed on COVID protocol back on Saturday before the game. Julian Gauthier as well. So the Rangers are affected by COVID, but have been able to navigate through it. Uh, but uh, getting a couple of guys back. It looks like Nemeth is back from his situation as well, so the Rangers might be a little bit healthier against a Kings team that on Saturday uh, beat the Red Wings 
outshot them in the first period 27 to 2 so the kings are starting to wind up here so should be a good test for both of those teams uh, coming up uh, tonight so try to get back into a regular rotation here with game misconduct so we'll try to come back on wednesday with a new pod thanks for your patience certainly was difficult with the vacations and the extra work and all the things going on with the holidays i wanted to kind of regroup get ready and it was about time today to finally do it so 10 days into the new year we're back and better than ever and we'll be back again on wednesday want to get in touch with me the best way to do that is at don lagreca hashtag game misconduct we will talk to you again on wednesday this was the monday edition of game misconduct this is the game misconduct podcast with don lagreca